is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 461, recorded Tuesday, November the 12th, 2019. Welcome to the show, one and all, including you, Jason. How's it going this week? Good, good, good. Always good. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Um, This is, of course, uh, our podcast about season 10, episode 6 of The Walking Dead. But I want to start with a message from a listener. Here we go. Hey, Jason. Hey, Chris. This is Mike from Alabama. Jason, I wanted to call in and say on this Remembrance Day, thank you for your service. To all the other Canadian veterans who are out there on Remembrance Day, thank you for your service. And all my fellow American veterans, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, on Veterans Day, thank you for your service. And Jason and Chris, thank you for making such an amazing podcast to make The Walking Dead an even greater experience. I love your show. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you for your service. Well, thank you very much, Mike. And of course, yesterday was Remembrance Day here in Canada. We missed it yep. by a day, November 11th. In the United States, it's Veterans Day, but the idea is the same, I think, or at least very similar. And, uh, you know, Mike sent that message in. I thought it was worthy playing. So it sounds yeah. it sounds silly to wish people a happy Veterans Day or happy Remembrance Day, but I think Mike said it best, and I thought I would just at least echo his sentiment there. Yeah. And, you know, technically I'm not, I'm not a veteran, right? I, I was in the reserves, but I never served in combat. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a fair point. Um, but it doesn't take away from what I think Mike was trying to say there. So. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an important day and, uh, I'm still wearing my poppy. Are you? Yeah. You can wear it all week if you like. Yeah. It's on my coat. I'm not going to take it off until it seems right. All right. Um, okay. Well, thank you, Mike, for that. And, uh, let's move on into our discussion of the latest episode of The Walking Dead. It's season 10, episode six. My name is Bonds. James Bonds. Thank you very much, Mark in Montreal and Scott in Arkansas. Nice. We got another title read from regular title reader Lee in St. Catharines, but the theme was very, very similar. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, Lee, I didn't play that this week. Um, but yeah, a lot of people, uh, well, everybody went with the James Bond theme for this episode, as it was called, Bonds. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Well, let's dive right in. So we start another episode here, Jason, with Carol waking up in the morning, just like we did back earlier on this season. Mm-hmm. I thought for uh, about half a second that I was rewatching an old episode. I had to double check. <laughs> well, you're not. She gets up. She she washes up a little bit. She gets her gear on. She makes some coffee. I got to stop you there. Sounds like a morning for you. It does sound like a morning for me, but uh, she's got a percolator on uh, a camp stove, and they don't whistle like a kettle. Holy crap. Like, uh, I was yelling at the screen uh, 47 seconds into the episode. (laughs) Uh, uh, Percolators don't whistle. 
Yeah, but this is one of those things like car tires on a gravel road. You know they don't squeal, but you just that's what you do. No, in TV it isn't. Movies. It isn't. No, percolators go bloop 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 bloop, and that's what you want it to happen. That the smell uh, of coffee and the sound of the percolator—that's the beauty of percolators. If you're going to make a cup of tea, put on a kettle, wait for it to whistle. Or if you're making a hot water bottle, do the same thing. Put on uh, a kettle, wait for it to whistle. Uh, and away you go. Percolators don't whistle. That's what the percolator is for, to tell you when the coffee's ready. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fair. I, I think it's just one of those auditory cues that listeners need to tell you when water is hot or liquid is warm or hot. Yeah. I, I, uh, but I get it. It's incorrect. Unacceptable uh, error. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> We're one line into the, uh, or one scene into the episode, and there's an unacceptable error. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the only one. There's another one later on, but that's it. All right. Well, let's let's move on. We'll get there eventually. So, Carol, she packs her bag, and before she leaves, she opens up a drawer and looks at the gun that she keeps in there. That's the gun that she took a shot at Alpha with. Yeah, there's no ammo, though, so I knew she would leave it there. Like We had three shots. It had three shots. Gun's done. It's just a paperweight now yeah but she's thinking about it anyways um she goes outside daryl sees her uh getting some food and then he confronts her by the fence she says she's going out to do a sweep for negan and he decides to go with her yeah so now we have a daryl carroll road trip in the making yeah so daryl was doing his morning routine sitting on a rocking chair smoking a a self-rolled cigarette yep that uh, sounds like a daryl thing <laughs> so out in the forest, they're talking about where Negan might be, and they come to a spot where Carol says they're going to stay and watch. And of course, Daryl isn't really convinced she's actually looking for Negan, so she admits that she's out there looking for Alpha's hoard, and she says they're going to find it and destroy it. Yeah. And that's the opening, uh, that's the cold open. We go into the old credit, the opening credits after that, and I gotta say... I really liked this cold open. It was. It was a good one. It was. <laughs> it didn't really make a lot of sense. I did enjoy it as well. It's. It had this like no screwing around, get right to the point kind of attitude, you know, like there was, there was nothing wasted in here. Not that there usually is, but just Carol getting up, getting ready, going outside, Daryl saying, what are you doing? I'm coming with you. And then... They get to this location and she says, you know what? I'm not looking for Negan. I'm looking for this horde and I'm going to destroy it. And so it, it moved along quickly. No yeah. BS. And I love that Carol has a plan. I, I, I really enjoyed the sort of determination in her voice at the end when she says, we're going to find it and destroy it. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how they're going to do that. But, you know, it's Carol and Daryl. If anyone yeah. can do it, it's them. Probably. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I also think Carol looks really cool when she's fully suited up. Like, like just in the, the costume, the outfit she has, the bow and uh, just the belt. She, she's like Batman, fully geared up. It's amazing. I really, I really think they've done an amazing job making her look like a huge badass. Uh, yeah. You know? So. And she also had a really good line. They're, they're talking about uh, Negan joining the uh, the whispers and it's like can you see negan wearing a mask or being quiet right exactly <laughs> and that's very very true and it comes up throughout this episode actually <laughs> yeah it's pretty much the theme of the episode yeah totally 
Anyways, after the opening credits, we are with Dante, and he's treating a patient named Cheryl, an elderly lady, and he's flirting like crazy with her, because that's what he, he does. He flirts with everybody. He does. It's his thing. Like, it's, uh, it, I thought maybe he was just, you know, flirting with specific people, but if he flirts with everybody this way, that's got to get really annoying really fast. It does seem like the kind of thing that would be part of someone's character, like, if that's all you do... It's like, come on, man, lay off, you know? Yeah, it's just like, back the fuck off, shut the fuck up, uh, you know, your shtick is, gets old real fast. Yeah. In fact, it, it's, it's a little old already, actually, as a, as, as a viewer, I feel like, but not quite there. I think he's just a goofy kind of, I don't want to call it arrogant, but he just, he, he's, he never seems like he's serious, you know? Yeah. And it just gets into the realm of awkward you know, faster than you think. Quickly. So it, if, if you do that, people, uh, stop doing it. Like, just stop. Or just, just know that you're going to get into the realm of awkward very quickly. <laughs> yeah, or dial it back. Dial you know, it back. At least like three and a half notches. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so he's doing that. Sadiq comes in with Coco, and Dante mentions that there's a few more cases of this stomach bug that's going around. Uh, he, Sadiq mentions Rosita is still sick. And then Dante jokes about going to check on Rosita. So right. not only is he super flirty, but he's also going to, he's joking about checking on a woman who's had a baby with the man he's talking to. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right. And it's, it, again, it got awkward really quickly. Yeah. And, and, I've, I've encountered stomach bugs that, uh, that have happened. The last one, uh, well, not the last one, the one before last, uh, I can actually trace it to the event. And usually these kind of things that come on very fast, like I, uh, I think it was called Norwalk. Mm -hmm. Uh, when I had it, you get violently ill for a couple of days and then it just kind of goes away. Yep. Uh, and <laughs> it's passed through fecal matter. Yeah. Like if you don't wash your hands properly, and you pass on fecal matter to someone else. That's how they get sick. Uh, and I can trace it back to going over to a friend's house and his mom making sandwiches. And I got sick like the next day and I'm like, oh man, I ate that woman's poop. Yeah. She didn't wash her hands and then you ate it. Yeah. And that's even, it's, it's grosser than the actual vomiting. Because the vomiting was actually kind of pleasant because it was every 90 minutes. And as soon as I threw up, I would have a popsicle and some water. And then the next time I threw up, it would taste like strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess you know that you're, you probably felt better after you threw up too. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got 90 minutes. I better down a popsicle and some water so that it, it tastes like banana next time I throw up. It was, oh, it was, it was okay. But the thought of it is way worse than uh, the actual throwing up for a couple of days. Okay. Well. <laughs> so I feel for these people that are getting sick and, uh, maybe you could trace it back to the, uh, that stall where Carol got the food, right? Maybe, but I, I'm not sure. I think we're supposed to believe that they are getting sick because of gamma putting walkers in the stream and then they're drinking <sighs> the water. Wow. I never, I even, never even thought of that. Yeah. I'm, okay. I, I, I mean that they haven't really come out and said that, I don't think, but I think that's what they're implying. Wouldn't you, if you were in the zombie apocalypse and you knew that there were dead bodies walking around everywhere, mm -hmm. getting into everything, yep. uh, being absolutely everywhere, 
Wouldn't you boil boil your goddamn water for five minutes before you drank it? Yeah, we talked about that. Stream? We talked about that last time, and it's absolutely it's a very very good idea. No matter how clean you think the water is, boil it first. I'd probably build a still so that it was, uh, you know, evaporated and then recondensed into uh, what do you call that? Water the kind of water. Uh, the, distilled water. Distilled water. Yeah. <laughs> brain no work good. <laughs> right. My brain is not very brain tonight. No. Uh, also, yeah, I would actually distill the water, even though it's not really good for you. Uh, well, no, because you get rid of all the nutrients and the, the, the all or minerals that are that are in the water that you need, right? But yeah, and they leach the they actually leach the minerals out of your body. It's it's bad for you, but sure, yeah. I'd think about it uh, for sure. I mean, it's maybe better than um, better than drinking zombie water. It is. And you know what's even better than distilled water or zombie water? Whiskey. Beer. Oh, yeah. Beer. That's why they have beer. Because it's safer to drink than water. Yeah. I mean, that's what I tell myself every single day. Yeah, you're just, you know, you're being prophylactic. <laughs> I'm, uh, you know, just in case the water goes bad, I need to be beer tolerant. Absolutely. <laughs> I need to be able okay. to drink tons and tons of beer. Stop drinking zombie water. Start drinking beer. Good plan. So we go to Daryl and Carol again. They're out at their little lookout point. She's talking about tracking walker groups and that they connect. They seem to connect back at this location. So she hopes that they can follow them back to the horde. Uh, but they agree at this moment anyways, that they can't go into whisperer territory. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of whisperers, we go over to them leading blindfolded Negan through the forest. And he's saying about how he wants to join. He's talking on and on and on like he tends to do. And after a minute, Beta puts two big knives up to his neck and threatens to kill him if he doesn't shut up. And yeah. uh, Negan says he's been locked up for eight years. And so if they go to Alpha, he'll spill all of their secrets and all the secrets of Alexandria, he means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh this is the beginning of Negan just walking around flapping his mouth off as much as possible. Uh yeah, and then Beta takes the blindfold off and puts it in his mouth, which is probably the smartest thing he's ever done. Exactly. It's like, you know what? I don't care if you see where we are, but you gotta <laughs> shut up. <laughs> this is more important. Right. <laughs> uh we go over to Hilltop and Eugene's up there at, at the top of the building working on the radio. Nabila, who we haven't seen in some time, or at least hasn't really had a much of a line in a long time, she mm-hmm. brings up some radio supplies, and we learn that Eugene has updated the radio with satellite parts, and that they now have way better range. So, you see, the satellite oh. was useful for something. Uh-huh. I'm just supposed to accept this? <laughs> well, right? I mean, most people would, but I'm not surprised if you don't. Ham radio to with satellite components. Yeah, lots of like wiring. Radio. Wiring could be used. Um, well, I mean, wires are pretty easily come come by. You don't have to go to a satellite. To, you know, satellites have circuit boards. Satellites don't have wires. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's it's horseshit. It's complete and utter horseshit. Let's move on. All right. It's completely outside the realm of possibility that he couldn't salvage some electronics from the satellite and enhance the radio in some way 
It's a completely different technology. Well, like yeah. It's on, a, it's on a different frequency, right? If they if it has an antenna, it probably does have a, a pretty goddamn good antenna, but it's a digital antenna, and he's hooking it up to a citizen band, uh, either a CB radio or a shortwave radio, probably shortwave if they're getting the ranges that he's that he's saying. Yep. Uh, it's 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 just it's <laughs> it's laughable. Okay. Well, I am laughing. So. Okay, if there's anybody that uh, is involved in either uh, radio hobby, is, has, you know, radios as a hobby, ham radio or CB radio or whatever, uh, or if you're a satellite technician and understand how radios and satellites work, uh, you know, call in, tell, tell me I'm wrong. Sure, right? give us something to go on. This is complete and utter, utter horseshit. Prove me wrong. Okay, fair enough. Well, for now... The radio works a lot better than it used to. We have expanded range. Yeah, that's because we've used satellite magic. Sorry. Satellite magic. That that explains it right there. So what you're saying is this part of this episode is the army of beavers. Uh, If only. If only they had an army. I'm trying to to think of, uh, you know, a comparable uh, ridiculous kind of uh, mishmash of technologies. Uh, and I, and I can't, it's, yeah. it's like using, uh, finding a server rack in a, uh, a network closet and using that to extend, uh, your CB. To like make your car go faster. <laughs> yeah. It, to make your car go faster. It's, it's using technology, you know, sure. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's, uh, it's, I, I, I makes no speechless. sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, Nabila leaves and Eugene looks really lonely. So he turns on the radio, calls up Alexandria and talks to Rosita. She's sick, of course, and actually looking for somebody to talk to. And you can tell through their conversation that she actually misses him, you know, despite him being a weirdo and their last interaction wasn't exactly the friendliest one. She misses him. Obviously she asks if he's coming back soon, but before they can really have a meaningful conversation, something sparks and he says he has to go to fix it right away. It's a bad soldering job. Yeah. So you need, when you're soldering satellite technology, uh, you got to be careful. You've got to be careful. You absolutely do. So back to Daryl and Carol, they're sitting there throwing acorns at a cup as they pass time. And, uh, you know, they joke about winning and losing the game and who's a bigger loser she finds a double acorn, which she gives to him and says it's good luck. She calls it a double capper. And then she asks about Hilltop. Uh, Daryl says the king sends his best. They talk about Connie and, you know, she implies that they have a, a good thing going. But he says, of course, it's not like that. And Carol wants to remind him that he doesn't have to be alone. So no. she's she's even saying, you know, Daryl, it's time. Find yourself partner and settle down yeah but you can be alone if you want to right no pressure you can you know i guess that's okay too uh they share some food and it's pretty clear that she doesn't want him looking in her bag Uh, but in the distance they see some walkers and whispers showing up in the clearing that they're watching and we go to a commercial break so Hmm. something is happening when we come back, we are at the Whisperer camp. Negan is sitting against a tree while Alpha and Beta talk. She says to test him, and if he's worthy, 
she'll talk to him, and if not, then they can kill him. Fair. Yeah, pass the tests or you're dead. Uh, Beta suggests that Negan is a threat to them, and Alpha's retort is, is he a threat to Alpha or to Beta? (laughs) Are you feeling a little insecure here, my big friend, is what she's getting at. Um, And she also questions if whether it's maybe time for the Beta to become the Alpha, and he kneels before her, indicating that, no, he will always serve her. He will never try to take over her position. Yeah, and he says never. He does like say never, yes. Yeah, he'll never do that. No. Um, and Negan watches all of this take place and smiles to himself mightily. <laughs> yeah, uh, Negan, the uh, he's weaving his uh, word magic is what he's doing. He's coming up with, uh, he's seeing how they work and figuring out ways to undo it using just uh just talking right as Negan does and he doesn't talk in this scene but he's listening here just listening and watching and thinking about ways he can use all of the information he's gathered um our next scene is beta and Negan walking in the forest again and now Negan's talking he's joking around about things he says uh what's the deal with you two do you ever slide a little did you ever slide Alpha a little Omega on the side? <laughs> That's such a Negan thing to say. Yeah. And then he starts going on about the kneeling and how Beta kneeled before her and things like that. So this is where he really amps up the the talking and sort of the prodding and manipulation of of Beta, right? Yeah. He must have been a really shitty teacher. Oh, yeah. Probably, but... Or a really good one. I don't know. Could go either I way. I don't know. It's the, it's the manipulation, right? I, I really dislike people that, uh, you know, actively try and manipulate you. I know, but I mean, a good talker could make a good teacher. If you use your powers for good, that's one thing. He's clearly using them for evil now. Um, but Is he, though? Because he's trying to fuck up the whispers, right? Well, that's the question here. I don't... I'm still unclear... Like, I don't believe anything that comes out of his mouth, right? So I'm unclear whether or not he is actually trying to get on their side or if he's trying to infiltrate them and take them out on behalf of Alexandria. Like, it's hard to say, you know, you can't believe it. He's like the Robert Kirkman of all the characters. You can't believe a damn thing the guy says. Yeah, but at least when Negan's talking, it might be the truth. I suppose with Kirkman, it's a, it truly it, never is. It never, yeah, that you can just, you know, you can bank on it, right? That is not true. Yeah. <laughs> if he said it, it's not true. If Negan says it, it might be true. It's probably not true. Right. It's probably, well, actually, uh, the only thing you can guarantee is that when he says something, it's in his best interest. True. Right? That That's is true. it. Whether it's true or not doesn't really factor into why he's saying it. Yeah. It's just, it's to further his own self-interest. That's a good point. And the problem is we don't know what his best interest is at that, at this point. Uh, That's right. So it's a little confusing. Yeah. Bill in New Jersey wrote in, holy crap, I loved every single scene with Negan and Beta. Walking Dead doesn't get into comedy too often, but I was laughing out loud at some of Negan's lines and how they pissed off Beta. I wouldn't mind if Negan stayed with the Whispers for a while just to get more of these scenes. In fact, 
I would love to see a third spinoff, a buddy cop show with Beta and Negan. Yeah, or you know, have them be roommates. You know, they're they're the uh, the old old fashioned odd couple right there. Oh, totally. This is the um, uh, the perfect strangers couple of exactly. The Walking Dead. Yeah, that's exactly right. There you go. All right. Well, Bill, write a letter to AMC and propose the idea. Yeah, let's uh, let's start a petition. <laughs> um, Sadiq, we go by over to Sadiq. He comes home and he finds Rosita on the couch and. She's not doing so well, so he decides to take her to the infirmary, picks her up, and they walk off. Uh, what bothered me about this scene the most is she's sick, lying on the couch, and wearing boots. Like, who does that? She stands up, and she has her shoes on already? Well, some people do weird things, right? Uh, Carol got up, and she was wearing socks. I could never wear socks to bed. Yeah, but it's it's that's one thing. Like, wearing socks indoors is fine, but, like... I don't understand shoes on the bed. You see that in movies all the time. Uh, Take yeah, your damn shoes I, off. Well, yes and no. I mean, it's a zombie apocalypse. You got to be ready to go, mm, right? I suppose. You, can, you know, putting your uh, having to put your shoes on is uh, you know takes. This is why firefighters have their boots ready to go. Right, you just slip them on, and away you go. Mm-hmm. Right, so she doesn't have firefighter boots; she just has her uh, her Iken shoes, and uh, they stay on. And people do weird things when they're sick too. Like yeah. I can't imagine being sick in the zombie apocalypse because when I'm sick, all I want to do is lie on the couch and watch documentaries, and I don't know why. Usually, it's either true crime or uh, life. What life is like in prison documentaries. I don't know why. But this is what I want to do when I'm sick. Maybe she wants to wear her shoes okay. all the time. Maybe you like to watch those things because it makes you feel better about your life when you're not feeling very good. I don't know. I'm not I in prison. Know. I've never committed any crime, so we're good to go. Yeah. You know, I've always been slightly afraid of going to prison. Uh-huh. I've never, I don't want to go to prison, ever. No. no. Uh, luckily, I've lived my life in such a way that there's very little chance of that happening yeah. so far. I suppose you never know, though. Yeah, I mean, the movies are filled with uh, people that were, you know, straight as an arrow people that uh, something happened to them and they just kind of cracked and went over the edge and became, uh, you know, a vigilante. So that could happen. (laughs) I don't see it. I don't think that's that likely. I don't think so either. Jason the Vigilante. I'm really shitty vigilante. I'd be like, man, that sucks. (laughs) I wish I felt like doing something about that. I'm going to go back home and watch more TV. (laughs) And speaking of TV, we leave Sadiq and Rosita. We see Eugene. He's at the radio. He's trying to contact Alexandria, but nobody responds because now Rosita's not there. And he fiddles with the dial trying to reach anybody. He just wants to talk to somebody. Yeah. And we see an important piece here. Okay. We see the style of microphone that he has. Right. So, uh, and I assume that everybody has the same style of microphone where it's a, uh, you push a button down, you hold the button down to talk. Yep. So that, uh, in the last episode, uh, where I missed, uh, the mic being open, somebody obviously left something on the button or was holding the button down. I mean, we've all done that, right? Yeah. You know, pass the phone around, whatever, hold the button down. I don't know if that's making sense. <laughs> This day, this day yeah. Well, it just goes to show that the the whole thing last episode didn't make any sense of having the radio open the whole time. But yeah, I come from a par- parallel universe where you have to hold the button to talk on the phone. <laughs> right. Okay. J- just so you know. 
It's, it's just, weird, I know, but that's that's perfectly normal in the universe I come from. Fair enough. Okay. So back to Daryl and Carol. They're watching a whole bunch of walkers down in the clearing now. And Carol thinks that they're going to move this group at night because that makes the most sense. And it comes out that she wants to follow them across the border to find the herd. And after some light disagreement, Daryl agrees to help. Uh, but he says they have to be really smart about it. He also says that if they mess this up, everyone's going to pay for it. But Carol thinks they've already kind of been paying for it. So yeah. really, what's the worst that can happen now? We cross the border, we pay for it. We don't cross the border, we pay for it. So might as well cross the border. Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the downside? Exactly. So she gets up to go off and pee. And while she's gone, Daryl takes a route through her bag. Um, yeah looking for something she comes back knows that he looked through her bag and uh obviously he was looking for the gun but she says she did not bring it right and that's maybe why she went pee and left the bag so that he would go through it and she could confront him about it right so she could say search me and he would say no no i trust you when in fact she does have the gun Mm -hmm. she's very manipulative as well yeah but i mean it's carol Everything she does is also in her best interest. <laughs> yeah, she probably has a machine gun up her sleeve. Well, we've like, seen that before. Literally. So a commercial break and back to Beta Negan Forest, they come to a shovel sticking in the ground and Beta tells them to dig. And then yeah. we begin this week's musical montage of the two of them doing stuff like digging and skinning walkers, which Beta is way better at, you know, I, not yeah. surprisingly. Uh, at one point, Beta gives Negan a tiny knife and tells him to kill a boar. So Negan tackles the thing and stabs it repeatedly very quickly. Very uh, much uh, like what I've seen uh, prisoners do in uh, prison movies and television. They uh-huh. have a little shiv. They just, when they go up to somebody, they stab them a million times. Right. Well, that's if you have only a tiny knife and a large animal, you got to stab it a lot. Uh, there's some more digging, there's some other stuff going on, and eventually they have a hole, they put the dead boar in the hole, and then fill it back in with dirt. Apparently. And one of the things Negan was complaining about throughout this entire montage was that uh, Beta was not telling him how to how he wanted the hole. Do you want the hole deep? Do you, am I digging a grave? Am I digging a wide, shallow thing? Yep. Am I putting in a pool? <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, it's really, am I digging a trench? Yeah. Uh, these are all different types of holes, right? And if, if I were digging a hole, forced to dig a hole and nobody was giving me information, uh, I would probably try and dig a hole that was about six inches deep and write my name because that seems like the most entertaining thing to me is to, you know, slowly spell my name out in, in hole digging. But, uh, at the end of this, uh, it's the exact size and shape that is needed for the task that they have at hand, which I found awfully convenient. Sure. Awfully convenient, I suppose. The thing that bothered me most about this scene is that Negan never takes the leather jacket off. It's like you're digging a hole. It's probably hot. Oh my God, man, take the jacket off. Just work in your t-shirt. I shoveled the driveway this morning. I started with a jacket. Uh, 15 minutes into it, it was way too hot. The gloves came off. The jacket came off. I was just out there in my short sleeve shirt Mm -hmm. uh, shoveling the driveway. If I was digging a hole, I would not be wearing a leather jacket. No, good God. You'd be naked before you know it, digging that hole. I don't know if I'd go naked. Close, though. You know, 
I'm being hot and sweaty is one thing, but being hot, sweaty, and naked, totally different. Nobody wants that. <laughs> like nobody. Especially me, because you filmed a video of yourself doing it and sent it to me. <laughs> Not being naked. No. Just shoveling the driveway. I know that, but if you were naked, it would have made for a better video? I'm not so sure. Uh, yeah. I had a time lapse of me shoveling the driveway. It, it was, was fun. It was fun. Okay. Um, what I didn't, the other thing I didn't understand is this is how you, apparently how they cooked the thing. It did look like there was some coals in the bottom of the hole or at least rocks. I thought it was water. <laughs> well, I thought it was rocks or something, but then they filled it in with the dirt and I'm like, are they just burying it? I don't understand. Like, is it cooking in there somehow? I, well, I that's how it. you cook, uh, Okay, so it could have been hot rocks. But yes, that is uh, one way to cook a pig. Bury it in dirt? You dig a big pit, start a fire with a bunch of coals, and you throw it in the pit, and then you you bury it. Um, It gets hot like an oven, and there's no air, right? So it cooks, and it's all insulated and stuff. And yeah, that's one way to do it. Hmm. I never knew that. in a hole in the ground. Yeah. Interesting. So I guess that's what they did. And it's a good thing, uh, it's a good way for the whisperers to cook food because it's uh, subtle in that there's no big open fire Mm -hmm. with a spit on it. Because I assume that if you're going to cook a a whole pig, that you'd want to put it on a spit. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, you could leave it because it takes a hell of a long time to cook uh, a whole pig like that. Like we're, we're talking... I have no idea, but it's probably more than 10 hours kind of thing. It's probably like 20 or 30 hours to do that. And this way you can walk away from it, right? Yeah. Whereas the other way, if uh, you're cooking it on an open fire, you've got the fire, you've got the smoke, you've got the spit, you've got, uh, you know, you have to maintain or you have to attend it the entire time. So this is, uh, it's a perfect way for the whispers to cook a meal. I suppose it makes sense. I just never heard of this method of cooking before burying in dirt. I just sort of figured it would... I guess the heat would stay in, but obviously there's no flame down there. There's no burning fire, but if it works, it works. It works. I mean, I think that coals or hot rocks or whatever uh, would stay hot because it has to dissipate the heat somehow, right? Yeah. So the heat goes up, so it would have to go through the, uh, all the dirt uh, eventually going through the pig. Yeah, I guess so. All right, well, we come back to Alexandria. Sadiq is now delivering Rosita back to the infirmary, and lots of people are sick now. Everybody's got this stomach bug, and Sadiq kind of freaks out about not being informed about it and starts telling Dante what to do. Uh, Perry in Oregon wrote, Holy crap, did you see how many times Sadiq exposed Coco to a serious illness? An illness that may well be fatal to an infant. I know he's going through some stuff right now, but that was extremely negligent doctoring. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it. he can't, I guess he would have to leave the baby with somebody else who is healthy, but I get the point. Yeah, baby. I mean, it's a, it's a tough call. Sure. But uh, yeah, bringing a baby to a, a ward where everybody's sick. But the baby's going to be drinking water anyway, right? If we're assuming that the water is the source of this, that uh, it's not a virus uh, that is going around. So as long as the baby doesn't eat poop or uh, breathe the, you know, the air where it's an airborne virus, then it'll be fine. Yeah, but even in the non-zombie apocalypse. Sorry, he or she will be fine. Ha, huh, burn. <laughs> even in the non-zombie apocalypse... 
most people, well, I don't know, but it's, I think a lot of people boil water that they use for baby formula and stuff like that. Oh yes. Yeah. So, I remember boiling lots of water for bottles. It was uh, so, five whole minutes and yeah, it was so, quite the thing. So maybe Coco's the only one who's not going to get sick from the water because they're boiling it for her. Probably. Anyways, uh, Carol and Daryl, they come to the border. They're talking about some rules like leaving no tracks and not killing walkers. And then they cross over. They, How do they leave no tracks? Well, yeah, I don't know, but Daryl can track anything, but he doesn't actually leave any tracks. I guess they're just saying, you know what, let's be careful. Let's not give yep. them a trail to follow if we can avoid it. And then they continue to stomp through the, the woods. Like they're, they're, from what I saw of what them walking, they were not attempting to conceal their tracks in any way, shape, or form. All right. Well, whatever. At least they talked about it. Yeah. What you do, if you really want to conceal your tracks, is uh, you get snowshoes. And underneath the snowshoes, you get a big plaster foot. So it looks like Bigfoot's walking around. That's a great idea. Yeah. And that's <laughs> like, holy shit, Bigfoot's out here. And that's uh, that's how you hide your tracks. Fair making, enough. Making them think it's some, something else. <laughs> right. Uh, back with the whispers, Beta won't let Negan eat. And, you know, he does say he deserves a piece of bacon, but Beta, Beta throws him to the ground instead. Uh, Negan slowly gets up, he smiles and he goes to sit with some other whisperers and the one next to him hands him some meat. Yeah, here you go. Here's a piece of pig. Nice guy. Eugene, back to him, trying to, still trying to get a response from anybody on the radio. His call sign is Taterbug. Yep. And I'm fine with that, but I really, really wish they'd gone with the call sign Pierogi because that would have been much better. Well, they can't do that. Why not? Because it's on the internet. They had to think of something else. Well, I think they should have gone with pierogi. Not armored pierogi, but just pierogi. It would have been great. This is pierogi calling all open channels. Does anyone copy? Man, I want pierogies now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, and suddenly, a woman's voice comes over the radio. Exciting. Hooray! She yeah. must be using another satellite. I guess so. I guess she it, must be. You know, satellites communicate with each other, so I assume that their communication device is now satellite-driven. Well, here's a question for you. Are we to believe, Jason, and I think we are, that this is the same woman that was on the radio in the final scene of the last episode of Season 9? I hadn't considered that, but the answer is yes, of course we are. Yeah, it's the same. It's supposed to be the same voice. Um... And there is a known actress providing the voice. I don't remember her name right now, um, but she's been on other shows. So this is somebody I think we're going to meet in the flesh at some point. Um, and I do indeed believe it's supposed to be the same voice we heard last season. That's fair. Okay. Um, back to the Whisperers first, though. They're uh, leading some walkers. Daryl and Carol look on from the forest. It's very dark at night now. And he wants to fall back, but she doesn't, of course. And then Carol's foot makes a noise on some broken on a broken twig or something, which draws some walkers over. They try to hide as they pass by, but we can hear whisperer voices in the crowd going, Keep looking. Yep. So you know there are whispers and walkers there. Commercial break. Eugene on the radio with the woman still, of course. He wants to know more about her, but she's not ready to share any information yet. They talk about their lives before the zombie apocalypse, 
because I guess yeah. they both figure that's relatively harmless. And they discovered that they both know Strasburg, Pennsylvania very well from their childhood. And in fact, they may have even crossed paths at an ice cream shop in town. Wow. Yeah. What a coincidence, eh? The, the world is small. It's definitely very, very small. I mean, coincidences happen all oh, the yeah. time. But, you know, with 2% of the population left on the planet, uh, the coincident, chances of, of coincidence are a lot smaller than they used to be. Absolutely. When I was a kid one time, my grandparents used to go down to Florida in the winter. And I don't remember if I've told this story before, but a couple of times my parents drove us all the way down to Florida for a sunny vacation in the winter. And one of those years, we were like on the road to Florida, somewhere in Georgia, I think, something like that. And we stopped at a Wendy's for lunch and we ran into some people we knew that lived on our street at home in the Wendy's who were doing the same thing. Um, no idea that they were doing that and, of course, had no intention to do it. And it was just a crazy coincidence. That is a crazy coincidence. I know. So you've driven down to Florida, you take I-75? I don't remember, man. We, no. we we did it three times and at least once, maybe twice on the way back, we put the car on a train and trained all the way from like Miami to Washington and then drove nice. the rest of the way. I don't know if you can still do that, but at the time you could. It was more than 30 years ago. So well, You can ship a car by train. Maybe. I don't know, but it was kind of cool. We rode That's the train cool. and then went to the Smithsonian in Washington then drove the rest of the way home. Lucky. Fun Sounds times. great. Yeah. I'm going to look that up because that sounds like a fantastic idea. It is a great, it was a great trip. Yeah. Uh, all right. Daryl, we're back with them, him and Carol in the woods. He has to kill a walker because it's getting too close, but he does it as quietly as possible. And then he cuts its guts open and smears his face with the gormiflage to try to protect himself. And other walkers start passing by him. But we hear some whispering like, over here. Yeah. Right? Still very, very, still very dangerous. Um, Sadiq is treating Cheryl back at Alexandria. She's worse off now, unfortunately. Uh, Dante comes in and Sadiq apologizes for freaking out earlier and says he does, in fact, appreciate all his help. And Dante understands, of course, everyone's under a lot of stress and then jokes about being amazing. Yeah. It's the kind of guy he is. It is. Um, tending to sleeping Rosita now, Sadiq is, and Coco starts crying, so he goes to her. He picks her up to comfort her, sits down in a rocking chair, and as he starts to doze off, he sort of flashes to Alpha and Beta saying, open your eyes, open your eyes, open your eyes. And when he finally does... He's outside on top of the windmill, standing there holding the baby. Yeah, this was un, uh, unsettling for me because this is a secret fear of mine that uh, I've never had missing time in, in my life at all. I've never had any episodes where uh, I didn't know where I was or how I got there other than, you know, being blackout drunk or way too high to understand reality. Uh, so... But that's but this been is years. A, that's been that's, years. It's been years. Like We're that. talking like. Uh, <laughs> don't go too far back. <laughs> okay. We won't go too far, too far back. But yes, I was very young, part, way too young for this to be. I don't know if it's ever appropriate, but uh, at least legal. <laughs> okay. We'll leave it at that. Anyway, long time ago. Um, so 
but this is a fear of mine is that uh, I'm going to have some like, at some point uh, I'm going to be missing time and I'm going to be someplace where I'm uh, not sure of how I got there or uh, what's going on. And somehow it'll involve my son. Well, it's and freaky. It's kind of freaky. One of the freakiest things that happened to me on a regular basis. Uh, it's not so much now, but when Jasper was uh, really young, uh, you know, he would be at daycare or he'd be with his mom or I'd go out to the grocery store or something. And then I'd get in the car and I'd think, okay, he's not in the back seat. Like my fear is that I would take him with me in the car, forget that he was there, go into the store or do whatever I was doing or go to work or what have you get back in the car and he's still in the back seat, and me have forgotten that he was there. I mean, it scares the shit out of me. It's, it's never happened. Good. It will never happen. But it's still a latent fear. But it it has happened, not to you. I've heard news stories about that kind of thing, right? Yes. The yeah. the one I can think of is like a grandmother, right? She's she was older. She drove the grandchild somewhere, forgot he was in the car, got out, went to do something, and the poor kid was in the car. Um so it's not yeah. it's not a thing that doesn't happen. Luckily it and thankfully it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, but just the thought of like losing time, right, and space with that that involves Jasper. Like you know, I've uh, the fact that he was sitting in a rocking chair, holding a baby and nodding off. It's happened happens to me every day, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, at no point do I wake up and go somewhere else. Well, you never wake up and you're standing on top of your windmill. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, yes. So. It's still, it was a, a very uh, normal thing to happen, that he was doing that was a very normal thing. Even the creaking of the rocking chair uh-huh. was was just like, hey, this is like my life. And then they flip right to a latent fear of mine. It was very unsettling. Well, what do you think's going on with um, Sadiq in this scene? Like, I mean, we know he's under some post-traumatic stress. He's really upset about what happened when everyone's head got cut off and put on the pikes and he's just not dealing very well. And of course he's under a lot of stress now with everybody being sick and, you know, not really being able to, to treat them as well as he'd like having to deal with the baby all the time because Eugene is gone and Rosita is ill. So when he sits down in that chair like, what do you think happens? He kind of hallucinates and he actually gets up and physically moves in space. Uh, but is there anything more to it? Or maybe why to the light, uh, not lighthouse, to the windmill? Like, I, well, ha- I have all these questions. It, it strikes me like uh, to be some kind of dissociative disorder, uh, you know, multiple personalities. Uh, they don't call it that anymore. But essentially, uh, maybe his psyche has uh he has such a hard time dealing with this uh trauma that his uh he's building a defense mechanism to have a part of him or have another person uh that can handle it take over for when he's really stressed out so if and this is you know part of the thing of losing time was if uh if you have a dissoci- dissociative disorder i believe this is the way it works that when you uh when you transition to someone else, to another personality, and then when you transition back, you don't have the memories of the person 
that was uh, that was in charge. Interesting for for that time. So maybe he is, uh, his personality is shattered to the point where uh, he's dissociating completely from reality, mm-hmm. and someone else has taken over uh, to be able to handle the situation. And then when he's calmed down enough. It's, uh, is his, you know, his primary personality is taken over again and he doesn't have any idea what that other person was doing. And where is the audience only seeing the one part of it? Yes. For now anyways. Well, we shouldn't speculate on how these sorts of things work, but. No. And that's where I'm hesitant. I mean, 99% of what I know is from TV and movies. Right. Uh, and so some TV and movies are, you know, they try to be semi accurate, but. It's for dramatic purposes, so you you, know, you got to take that with a grain of salt. Sure. So, yes, I absolutely don't really understand what's going on, but from what I've seen on TV, this fits with that kind of thing. Sure. Well, I do know we have some listeners that have some expertise or experience in these fields, right? So, uh, you know, if, if you're out there and you do have some thoughts on what is going on with Sadiq, um, let us know. We, we would love to hear some, some ideas about that. And yeah, the, the concept of, of being in one place and losing time and ending up somewhere else, like how does that fit into someone undergoing this kind of, I guess, mental illness, right? I I'm curious about it. Yeah. All right. Um, poor Sadiq in any case, he's having a rough time. Yeah. Uh, we are back with the Whisperers, with some zombies, and with Negan, and Negan's now talking about joining them no matter what Beta wants. He's kind of now going over Beta's head a little bit, but Beta says he's too loud, too weak, and too full of ego to join the Whisperers. Negan, of course, disagrees and says that he's here for Alpha, and he won't be going anywhere. So then Beta leaves him amongst a bunch of walkers and he has to start fighting them. And all he's got is his puny knife from earlier, which immediately breaks again. Yeah. And so he kills a walker or a whisperer? Beta. Beta? Um, yeah, that's right. He kills one, doesn't he? I think he kills a walker. I think he kills a whisperer because he slit their throat. Oh, okay. Maybe. That's yeah. kind of That's kind of drastic. Yeah. Maybe, but see, I, okay, so this, this whole thing, I wasn't sure at this moment of whether this was another test or if Beta was genuinely trying to leave Negan for dead kind of thing. He's trying to kill him. I, yeah, I understand that by the end, right? But, um, so if he was trying to kill him, he creates a walker by killing a whisperer, but there are other walkers around already anyways. So all he really has to do is get their attention and get them to start attacking Negan. And then Negan either fa- can fight them off or he can't. And I think Beta's intention was that he wouldn't fight them off. Negan would be killed and then his problem goes away. Yes. <laughs> right? Okay. So, uh, all right. So I'm watching it in the background here as we're talking. So that makes perfect sense. But I'm confused. Uh, like he does kill a, a whisper because the person he kills mm-hmm. has a quiver on their back. Right. Like, okay. So they're, they're wearing equipment. So he kills an actual person in order to, uh, not to create a walker, but I'm confused as to whether or not these are all whispers or all, well, there are obviously some walkers in there, yep. but damn it, Beta and Negan are having a full on conversation slash argument right. in the middle of a, of a zombie horde. 
and uh, nobody's paying attention. Like the zombies don't pay attention to this. Right. So that kind of makes you think like they're all whisperers and therefore there's no actual danger there, but they clearly start attacking him after that. Yeah. Um, is it possible that beta has left him amongst a bunch of whisperers and he's, they are just actually just going to attack him and try to kill him. And they're not actual zombies. I got the, it's I got the impression that it was, that it was walkers. Uh, yeah. Cause as soon as he is alpha walks or beta walks away, uh, Negan has to kill a bunch of zombies. Right. That's what it looked like to me too. But so not okay, all so this inconsistency and weirdness going on here, but the, uh, the meat of the story in this, uh, you know, telltale sandwich is that, uh, beta wants Negan dead yes. and tries to uh, create a situation where Negan would die and he wouldn't have to tell alpha that he killed him. That's absolutely correct. Yeah. That is, yeah. that's what's going on. It's just the logistics of it don't really work out for me. Right. Okay. Um, so, uh, we go over to Carol in the forest though, and <laughs> she now has a prisoner. And then uh, Daryl comes out of the forest. Right. And it's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> Daryl comes, he just comes walking through the brush. Like he doesn't walk around it. He just walks like over it. <laughs> let's be, let's be quiet and not leave a trail. And then he walks through it, a bush. Yeah. Like I thought <laughs> it was the funniest thing. I agree. I thought it was hilarious and it looked kind of ridiculous. It's like he could have, you know. Sneak, snuck around a little bit nope he just plows his way right through it reminded me of homer simpson slowly backing through the hedge remember yeah. where he just goes right through it <laughs> now he's obviously going the opposite direction but oh my god daryl he just he just comes through he comes out of that bush yeah he's quite the woodsman <laughs> yeah really <laughs> this it the the ridiculousness of this reminded me of the time I went camping uh, with my friend Mark. And I, uh, Mark would go on for months about how uh, he had a lot of camping experience and that he mm -hmm. would go off into the woods and they'd hike for five miles into the woods so that they would have a secluded spot and they wouldn't bring any water with them so that they would have to... Uh, you know, all their food was dehydrated or freeze dried or what have you. And he would just talk about the roughing it and how he was, uh, you know, this master woodsman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we went camping with him one time at a campground. It was when I first moved to Toronto. So I don't know, have any idea where this campground was. Like I have no clue, but I do know that I could see two highways from the campground. Like oh, you were too really was, remote. Uh, yeah. So there was two highways. We're sitting around this campground. He got drunk and uh, fell asleep uh, on the smoky side of the fire and uh, just slept there all night with the smoke blowing in his face. When the sun came up, he tried to crawl into his tent, but it had rained and he had left his tent open and there was like an inch of water in the tent with his sleeping bag and he still tried to sleep in there. And then when we all got up, he couldn't see because his eyes were swollen shut from the smoke from the fire that was blowing in his face all night. And we had to take him back to his apartment and I had to walk him across the street, across Danforth, uh, because he wouldn't have made it. Uh, across, he would have died because he's blind. His eyes are completely 
you know, fuse shut. He couldn't walk. He was just a complete disaster. His clothes were all wet. His tent was disgusting and wet. His sleeping bag was all wet. It's just, you know, talking about being this expert woodsman and he can't even spend the night in sight of two highways without nearly fucking dying. Right. It was, it was just, it's just ridiculous. This, so yeah, Mark was a character for sure. But Daryl, he's talking about being a woodsman. Oh, he's supposed to be a woodsman, right? We know he's a woodsman. Yeah. Because he's been living in the woods for years, first of all. Uh, and uh, even before that, he was hunting squirrels. Like for the first time we met him, he was he had a bandolier of squirrels. So I mm-hmm. assume he was hunting them with a, you know, uh, his charming good looks, I guess. I'm not sure what kind of weapon he had at the time. <laughs> But uh, he's this expert woodsman, and he comes walking out of the bush uh, through the the bushes like this. Yeah, uh, I'm still laughing about it. It's it's the most brutal way of walking through that bush, right? He just kind of pushes it down and comes out. It's like it's like movement in brutalism, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I do things like this for comedy. Right. I'd do this if I was, if there was some woods and I could maybe get a chuckle out of it. Sure. I'd do exactly what he did. Well, maybe that's what they were going for. Maybe they were just going for, you know what? Let's give Daryl a funny moment here. Why not? I don't think I'd do it like, like Carol was on one side of the border. Like it was marked with stakes. Right. Mm -hmm. And he was coming out of the woods on the wrong side of the border. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, a little decorum. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was the meeting back at that location, which they talked about earlier, actually, if they get separated, meet back here. So they met back yeah. and he just decided to push his way through. Anyways, she has a prisoner and it's a she whisperer does. and she wants to take the prisoner back to interrogate him. She says she didn't plan this, but, um, Daryl's pretty surprised to find his hand zip tied. So it kind of looks like she planned this. Yeah, and he said there was no zip ties in your backpack. Right, but I guess he missed those. Yep. So over to Eugene on the radio. He's still talking to this mystery woman. They exchange some more small talk, but he wants to know more about her, to which she declines and suggests that, you know, she doesn't really know him. They can't trust each other. They may be a threat. He persists, and um, he reveals his real name to her, and suggests that they continue talking regularly. Mm-hmm. After a long pause, she agrees, but she doesn't provide her real name. Um, and she also says they want to keep it just between them, nobody else on that radio. Yeah, if I hear anybody in the background, this is over. That's it. We're done. Here comes a uh, call from listener Scott. Hey, Chris and Jason, this is Scott from Arkansas with a holy crap moment for this week's episode of Bonds. Holy crap! Did Eugene just find love over the airwaves? Or is it just a setup for a heartbreak? And possibly murder? <laughs> Who, who's murder? Well, I mean, in, in you could argue that this show always ends in murder, in one way or another. Uh, but, you know, I think Eugene may have found love over the radio. Or or is about to because she's not really reciprocating so much yet. But I I have a good feeling about Eugene and Mystery Lady. Well, you know uh, Eugene, uh, you know having emotions for someone who is unwilling to reciprocate is right in his wheelhouse. Oh, th- exactly. So this is perfect. It's a perfect <laughs> relationship. This is what Eugene has had his entire life. Yeah, 
I mean, he's uh, probably, you know, had relationships like this uh, his his whole life. And with the internet gone, it got really weird for a long time. But he found uh, he found his relationship with uh, Rosita and uh, Abraham. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, his love triangle. Uh-huh. Uh, but now this is perfect. Once Now that he's uh, found a satellite and used it to uh, magically boost his uh, reception, uh, then he can find un- unrequited love. Well, good. I hope it all works out for him. Before, you should pick a better name for the radio than, uh, uh, what was it, uh, some kind of potato bug? Uh, t- tater bug? Yeah. Tater bug? You should pick something like, uh, uh, you know, Max Steel or Rex McAwesome or something, because <laughs> you need something a little more robust than a tater bug. Yeah, maybe you're right, but it's, I don't know, it's charming. It has its charm, I think. Yeah. All right, well, we're almost at the end here, but the last scene of the episode is at the Whisperer camp. Beta um, goes to Alpha to tell her that Negan was weak and is now dead. (laughs) So, you know, too bad, so sad, he's gone. But uh, guess who shows up immediately, basically right behind him, covered in blood and carrying a large blood-soaked stick. It is, of course, Negan. He has successfully fought off all those zombies. He introduces himself to Alpha, kneels before her, and says that he's all in. And then, yeah. and then Alpha gets right up close, touches uh, his skin, puts her finger up to her mouth, and whispers, "Shh." Yeah, I will do uh, anything you want. Just you know, tell me what you need. Yeah, and she says, "Be quiet." She asked him to do the one thing that he can't do. Oh, it's, well, how's it going to play out? (laughs) It's, I actually, I actually loved all this stuff with Negan and the Whisperers because he, and especially Beta, just because he was, he's, he's walking around so cocksure and such a, such an asshole. And, you know, Beta doesn't like him. He feels threatened by him. He just wants him to be quiet. He's testing him or whatever. He actively tries to kill him it doesn't work out and you're right he walks up to alpha at the end and it's like i'll do anything you want i'm joining you people no matter what and yep. uh she wants him to be quiet <laughs> the one thing it's great and he, and he kneels after the conversation that he had with beta about uh the fact that he kneeled in front of that beta kneeled in front of alpha and then negan has never bent the knee to anybody right never done that so yep. It's, it's a big deal, but see, Negan can't, he can do that, but you're right. He, he'll, he'll never be quiet. Yeah. He can't, he can't do it. It's the one thing he cannot do. He cannot shut up. That's amazing. All right. Well, I am really enjoying this storyline. I'm really anxious to see where it goes. Um, and, uh, it's, it's great. This is the best use of Negan we've had. And I think since he was introduced to the show. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Sure. Uh, so we left Negan in a perilous situation where uh, somebody tried to kill him and put him in a situation where he would die. Mm-hmm. But he didn't die. No, he did not die. So is if he had if that had spanned to the next episode, would that mean that we all would have all assumed he was dead? Because anytime anybody gets into a situation like this, we assume they're dead. Well, do we? I mean, you certainly don't. Uh, and I think with well, no, I yeah, I refuse to believe it. But 
right. uh, this time I was right. Well, I, I knew he wasn't going to die, right? Like we all right. knew that. Right. But I've also assumed that about Madison. Like she can't die. She's the main character. Yeah. Uh, Fear the Walking Dead character. Fear, yes. Here's the thing though. Um, no, no, I don't think anyone would have assumed Negan was dead if we didn't have this last scene, right? Uh, because we just kind of know it's Negan. I mean, part of it is that it, it's that character. We, you just have the feeling he's not done yet and there's no way they're going to show him or have him die off screen. But the other thing that this indicates to me, and I just thought of this is Angela Kang and the writers are not fucking around. They're like, they're not going for the cheap, you know, stupid cliffhangers or trying to tease us into anything or fool us into anything or anything like that. You know what? If they were, they would have put this, this final scene in the next episode. You're right. And just left it as a week to week cliffhanger when everybody knows that there's nothing there. Yeah. Instead, they, they show us the outcome. And I think that shows that they're a little more confident in their story. I think that's great. Uh, yeah. So is it, can we assume that that's a rule that if the character is in peril and they end the episode, we assume they're dead, but if they're in peril and then they show up later or there's enough time for them to come back that, uh, that they're not dead. Well, I mean, if they show it, obviously they're not dead, but I think as a rule, if, if a character's in peril and they cut away and they don't resolve it before the episode, I think as a rule, we can probably assume they're not dead and they're going to be just fine. Right. Okay. You know, but, but my point is they're, they haven't been doing that lately, which is great. And I think that's way better than, than trying to fake, fake us out into anything. Right. Right. So, uh, all right. Well, that is the episode season 10, episode six. I can't believe there's only two more before the mid season, uh, break. Uh, I feel like this half season has just flown by because it's been amazing. It's been really good. Christmas is coming. Sure is. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up here, I want to thank uh, a listener who recently became a new patron at Patreon. And that is Lucy A. Thank you so much, Lucy, for joining our Patreon page. Lucy sent a message that I thought I'd throw in right here as a little bit of listener feedback and a quick final topic of discussion that's kind of related to what we were seeing in this week's episode. Cool. Lucy, right. You wrote, you were saying last week that you thought Gabe might have let Negan out. And just to clarify, I think it was a listener that suggested that. And we kind of went with it there for a minute. Uh, Lucy goes on, maybe Gabe offered Negan a deal. If he successfully infiltrates the Whisperers and kills Alpha, he would be pardoned for his crimes and allowed to become a free citizen of Alexandria. What do you think? Hmm. I don't think Gabe has that power, right? There's a, there's a whole council. Oh, he may not have the power, but that doesn't mean he wouldn't do it. Or, or maybe this, you know, maybe it's not, maybe he's not acting alone. I'm just, I think it's an interesting idea here to think that someone must have let Negan out. We don't know that story yet, but it's not just about the fact that whoever it is let him out. It's why, why did they let him out? And this seems like a plausible theory to me. It's like, you know what, Negan? Go take out the whispers for us. You could maybe get away with it. And then if you do, you've solved our problem. So you can come back and live a free, live as a free man. I think it makes some sense. It does make some sense. Maybe the whole council's in on it. 
I mean, I would. Because Negan would know that, uh, you know, Gabe can't act on his own without the consent of the whole council. Right? He would not fall for this shit if it was just Gabe saying, do this, and I promise you this. Negan would know, you know, you can't promise that, so I'm not doing it. So maybe either the whole council knows or Negan's doing it on spec. Right. If I do yeah. this, then I have, I'm in a good position to lobby for full citizenship. Yeah, maybe. Cause you're right. I can't see Michonne agreeing to this deal or Aaron, for example. Yeah. But, but I still, I still think it's an interesting theory and I like it. So I'm willing to entertain it. Yeah. Or maybe the cell door was unlocked and he just hasn't left, uh, since the last time he left. Uh, maybe they left the cell door. Maybe did anybody know other than Judas that he had left? Like the first time, the first yeah. time. Uh, yeah, they did for sure. I think Michonne, at least she makes reference to it that he left and came back. Okay. Then maybe they left the cell door unlocked on purpose. And then he just let himself out, uh, because, uh, this is in his own self-interest. He understands the threat that the Whisperers have on Alexandria. Yep. And that if he doesn't deal with it, these people aren't equipped to deal with it. It takes a special set of skills that I have, that I've spent a lifetime honing, including teaching and talking to kids about various inappropriate topics. So I can use these skills that I have in order to infiltrate and dismantle this organization. Yeah, totally. I mean, Negan is the kind of guy who I can really see having the attitude of, if you want a job done right, do it yourself. So yeah. you want to get rid of the whispers? I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I can't trust these idiots to get it done. Yeah, because so, some people just need killing. Some people need killing, and he's good at the killing. And he's got Lucille and he's got his leather jacket. Well, he doesn't have Lucille, but he has a big stick that he found. Right. Uh, I'm sure he'll get Lucille back because, you know, zombies carry weapons like baseball bats covered in barbed wire. Yes, or they do. not Lucille, but Lucille too. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you, Lucy A, for sending that note and for becoming a new patron. If you would like to join Lucy in that exclusive club, you can go to patreon.com slash the talking dead which allows you to join up, make a small monthly pledge, and it all really, really helps with uh, us putting on this podcast. If the monthly thing is not your bag, then you can also make a one-time donation by going to TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash PayPal and doing it that way. That's also a great way to help. Thanks so much to everyone for doing that and to everyone for listening. It's really appreciated. All right, uh, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. We'll be back later this week with our feedback show for Season 10, Episode 6. So get your feedback in. You can do that by visiting the website and clicking on Send Voicemail at the top. That allows you to record a message right into your computer, and it will get sent to us. You could also use the recording app on your phone if you wanted to and uh, send that in as well. That's a really great way to do it that usually yields some pretty good quality for audio recordings. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead. I do often take some comments from those posts. And of course, you can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Those are all the ways to get in touch with us. Our feedback show will be coming later this week. Um, I'm not sure exactly when yet, but probably at the usual time. 
So look for that. And until then, thanks so much, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.